I'm former Congressman Gary Franks. And I'm his son, Gary. I'm millennial. We're discussing everything from politics to sports and pop culture. From very different perspectives. We speak frankly. Welcome back. Oh, how you doing, Gary Jr.? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Well, today we are going to be talking about the top point guards in the NBA from 1990 until well, they should have been drafted before 2016 to actually fall into our, our rating system. And so... Gary, that leaves us with some folks who, you know, I, I call them combo guards, but I'm going to talk about a couple of them right now, and they're not going to uh, make my top five, but because I see them a little bit more as a shooting guard, even though you can argue they're a point guard or go back and forth on that. But so, Gary, and, and the person that I'm referring to, I don't see him as a point guard, and if we are going to classify him as a point guard, then I my ratings are going to be off. And that is uh, Russell Westbrook. Because to me, he, he, yes, he's a point guard, but no, he's not a point guard. What, what's your assessment of, of Russell, Gary? Because I, I want to put him, I'm not sure what category to put him in. What, what, where would you put Russell Westbrook? Russell Westbrook is a point guard. So you would definitely have him in the point guard category. I guess I should since he led the NBA in, in assists three times and et cetera, et cetera. But he also led the NBA in scoring a couple times. Okay, so let me let you start then. Why don't you why don't you start? I'm gonna make some adjustments so I can calculate that in there on the fly. And then uh, once again make sure I hit just five. Um why don't you start then, Gary? First, I'm going to start with my honorable mentions. So very similar to what we did from 1960 to 1990, uh, where Dad actually did, you know, your honorable mention. I'm going to do my honorable mention for the night from 1990 to 2016. Um, so the number seven guy who just missed the cut for me was Gary Payton, the glove. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, he's probably the best defensive player in the 90s, one of the best. You know, even though Michael Jordan lapped him off in the 96 finals, Gary Payton did, did, a, <laughs> did do a phenomenal job at guarding Michael Jordan uh, you know, throughout that series. Unfortunately, George Carl didn't realize that Gary Payton could actually guard Michael Jordan, so that's probably why they lost in the NBA finals. But uh, he's one of the very, very few guards to win Defensive Player of the Year. Mm -hmm. um, he's a nine-time All-Star uh, you know, he made the all NBA team either first or second, a total of seven times, two first, uh, first team, five, five second team. But the main thing is, he was the leader of the Seattle uh, Supersonics during those years, and he was a great player, not just to uh, uh to see, but actually to watch, you know, uh, you know, even on your TV. He was one of those guys that definitely taught the whole, but. You know, he's definitely one of those guys that I think you have to have on the list when you're talking about the top point guards um, in the NBA. Uh, there's one year where he averaged three steals a game. So it, it makes sense why they call him a glove because he will shut you down. Um, 
So he also won an NBA championship with the uh, Miami Heat in 2006, but I don't really consider that a real championship for him because he was not really the same player anymore uh, during that time. So um, I have Gary Payton at number seven, and my number six honorable mention, just missing the cut, is Steve Nash. That's right, Steve Nash, the two-time uh, finals MVP. And real quick, what's very interesting about uh, both these two guys, uh, um, Steve Nash and Gary Payton, is they both started off very slow in their careers. They both started off having six points, eight points, ten points, and then all of a sudden they started becoming that player that we all know them to be. Uh, Steve Nash, uh, four times on the 50-40-90 club. In fact, one year he just missed it. We shot 89.9%, which to me is really 90%, but, you know. So, really, he did it five times. Uh, he's a not, um, he's an eight-time All-Star. He won, the, he won the MVP twice. Uh, a total of seven times, either on the first, second, or third team, All-NBA. Um, you know, you know, and this was a tough, tough decision for me, you know, even flipping these two guys around because obviously Gary Payton was the better all-around player. But Steve Nash changed the game of basketball. The way basketball is today is because of Steve Nash. The freedom of movement, the, you know, uh, not really having a center, uh, you know, switching on all five uh, positions was all done by Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni. So I have to give him a lot of credit for that, um, even though I don't think he – uh, you know, deserved both uh, MVP awards. He, you know, did get them, and, and those Phoenix Sun teams were extremely, extremely good. Uh, the only thing that, you know, that he's probably missing on his resume is an NBA Finals appearance, which was the main reason why he's not on this list for me is because he doesn't have one. But he was a phenomenal offensive player, and uh, he, he's actually very similar to a guy that's, that I think should be on our list and I'll compare them as we uh, go through this list. But those are my two honorable mention players. Interesting, Gary. Very interesting. Well, I'm going to show uh, a little more love for one of your two individuals. And uh, the other individual, I actually would agree with you, and, and that is uh, Gary Payton. And so Gary Payton, however, I have rated a little higher than you do. You have him as your number seven guy. Uh, but I'll just add one other person to uh, to the list because right now I'm really still struggling with trying to fit in uh, West Russell Westbrook into my my mix because he does have the numbers, and then I also have a problem with another individual, uh, that being Steph Curry, because I I just don't see him as a point guard. But you know, technically speaking, I guess he he has to qualify. I don't know. He, to me, he's the greatest shooting guard that we've ever seen in the history of basketball. So I don't want to put him in the point guard category because I think he's the best shooting guard that we've ever seen. So I'm not going to put Curry in the, in the point guard category. So uh, that does, that does help me, but I, I do agree with you on, on Peyton. So let me, let me talk about, about him as well, because I had him as, I had him as number five. I had, I had him as number five. And I and I that's what without having Westbrook in my type for top five because I also have him as a as a combo guard. But uh, so my list is going to be kind of kind of screwy because I, I bounce Westbrook and I bounce Curry into other categories. But to me, as a point guard, he, he 
that being Gary Payton, was exactly that. He thought pass first, and he played great defense. And all of the individuals that I'm going to mention, Gary, on my list of point guards, they all did that. They all put passing the ball first, and they played great defense. Um, he was the glove. Now, we didn't see Gary Payton that often uh, on the East Coast because he played for Seattle out there, but he eventually moved over to Miami. But his legend was out there. I mean, everybody knew that no one wanted to be guarded by Gary Payton. They knew that if they hit their average in that game, they would be very blessed because he would definitely make them earn every single basket they would score. He, in essence, was like Bill Russell in a sense, Gary, because he never really cared that much about offense. I mean, he scored his points. Don't get me wrong. He did score his points. But he was going to stop you. And that's the same mentality that Bill Russell had in the center position. Bill Russell could care less about scoring points, but he was going to stop you. Now, Gary Payton scored. I mean, he had, oh, boy, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He had seven seasons in which he averaged over 20 points a game. So he was no slouch from a scoring perspective. And his career scoring average was 16.3 points a game. Uh, and he shot 47% from the field, 32% from the three-point line, and 73% from the free-throw line. He knew how to score. And he got his share of assists. You know, his, his career assist average was almost seven, about 6.7 point assists a game. But he, once again, you know, one year, as you mentioned already, he averaged three three steals a game. And, and there was a number of years. He was he was over 2.5 steals a season, a, a season um, you know, per game per se, in, the, in the season. He was a tremendous defensive player, great all-round player. And though he did earn his, his, his NBA championship, as, you know, in his latter years, he, he truly led uh, Seattle in so many ways for so many seasons. And, and so I have him as number five, Gary. He did join the Lakers. That was a mess when he joined the Lakers in his latter part of his career. That was a big mess. But the bottom line of it is when you look at nine times being a first-team all-defensive player, nine times, that, that is incredible. And as you mentioned already, one year – he was Defensive Player of the Year, uh, led the NBA in steals a couple of years, seasons as well, as well as led the NBA in, in assists. Um, so I have him in a number five spot, and that is Gary Payton. So I understand why you have him there, um, but we have to uh, you know, right now, um, Gary Payton did lead his team in scoring a lot of the year. Yes, he did. So if you're going to take out certain players because they were scorers, and other guys got you know have higher assist numbers, you got to be careful. Um, I hear with you. that, and I'm saying, and I'm saying that because my number five is Russell Westbrook, okay. and I think Russell Westbrook is a legit point guard because Russell Westbrook lead has led the NBA in usage rate or was second in usage rate eight years in his career, which means the ball's in his hands. He's the guy that brings the ball to the floor. And he's probably the reason why Kevin Durant left from Oklahoma City. But we're not going to touch on that because this is, you know, this is supposed to be about positive. It's all about positive uh, statements with Russell Westbrook. And, and that's what I'm going to do right now. 
and really the five and four spot to me is very interchangeable for me. Um, but no, Russell Westbrook, you know, we know him now as the new Mr. Triple Double guy. Um, you know, um, he's led the league in assists three times, um, including uh, this coming year where he averaged almost 12 assists a game for a, for a wizard team that we all know isn't that good. So the fact that he was able to do that is very impressive. Um, you know, he's, he's averaged triple double three years, you know, three of his last four years in the NBA. The only time he didn't was when he played with James Harden, who also left out the ball in his hands. But we'll talk about him um, in another uh, show. But no, Russell Westbrook is the most athletic guard in NBA history. To me, it's not really close. Um, you know, He's a great, great player to, uh, to watch as well. Another player that I would pay big money to see is Russell Westbrook, even though he will drive everyone crazy because he would throw up a lot of bricks. But there's also uh, a chance where you can you know, go out there and score 40 points and you know, get a 40-point triple-double. Uh, there's really, you know, there's really I'm not much more to say about Russell Westbrook. There's really no need for me to go you know, through his stats. We all know him. Uh, you know, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal basketball player. And the fact that he was able to win an, an MVP with his team being a sixth seed is very impressive because that, that usually never happens in the NBA. But he was able to do that because he averaged a triple-double throughout that season. Um, and, you know, he deserves to be I'm in the fifth spot over the other two guys, mainly because he has had a better career to me than both those guys. He's averaged the same amount of assists as Steve Nash did, you know, in his, you know, in his peak. But mainly, he's been to a finals unlike Steve Nash. And that's the reason why I have Russell Westbrook um, at the five position. Uh, you know, I don't know what he's going to do with the Lakers. We have no idea. Uh, but right now, I think it's, I think it's fair, fair and I think it's safe to say Russell Westbrook is a top five guard during this time period. Gary, I, I agree on just about every point you made. I just had a difficult time squeezing him in. And have kept him as a combo guard because I I just see him as, as as being more of a combo guard. I know there's no classification for combo guards. I mean, there's no you know this point guard and shooting guard. I know that that is what we're looking at, but I just could not put him in either one of those. I couldn't comfortably put him in the in the point guard category. I should say. But there's no question that he has the numbers, he has the credentials, he has the honors, he has the awards. There's no question about it. Um, and, you know, the guy has led the league in assists, not once, not twice, three times. And that's what, that is what a point guard would do. So there's no question about that. But he's also led the league in scoring two times uh, in 2015, 2017. Uh, so it's, it, for me, it was a hard decision whether or not I would put him in the point guard category or the uh, shooting guard category because I do see him as a true combo guard, just like I see Steph Curry as, as a true combo guard because, you know, Steph doesn't look to pass that much. He passes when he has to. So, um, you know, so th th that's why that's my personal feelings about that. And Steph's the best shooter in the, in the game. So I think that that's what defines shooting guard for me. But. I can see how you could have one could have Steph Curry as point guard category. There's no argument there. I can see how one could have have Russell Westbrook as as a point guard. No no argument with that. It's just that I did not classify him in that manner. So uh, my number four, Gary, would be 
uh, an individual you talked about earlier, and not in a very positive way, but you did put him in your honorable mention, and that would Steve Nash. Uh, Steve Nash, I have in the fourth spot again. I'm not an overly rah 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 Steve Nash guy, but you know, I'm going to show a little respect and a little deference to the fact that he has won two two MVP awards now, um, and the fact that he's done the 50, 40, 90, 50 percent field goal shooting percentage. 40% three-point shooting percentage, 90% free-throw shooting percentage. He's done that four times, which is uh, you know remarkable. Five times he's led the league in assists, which only one other person has passed. No, I'm sorry. He's tied with another individual, and that individual and this other person, who this individual is on my list as well, you hear about him a little later, um, had five assist titles as well. Steve Nash, three times first-team All-NBA, two times second-team All-NBA, and two times third-team All-NBA. So he was All-NBA uh, for about seven seven times, over seven years during his tenure in the NBA. Not a big score, 14.3 points a game, 8.5 assists a game. His career field goal record uh, or percentage is 49%, 43% from the three-point line, which – you know, you're hard pressed to find anyone who would hit who's hit who's hit that mark for their entire career, and then 90.4 percent from the free throw line, also one of the the highest of uh, of any player that's played the game. So he would rank very highly in those categories. His team did win games, never was able to win a champ a championship, NBA championship, but played well. But so I have Steve Nash in the I'm reluctant number four. But I do have him as number four. Obviously, if I were to add Westbrook and Curry, uh, Steph Steph Curry in my top five point guards, then my number four and number five individuals, that being Gary Payton and Steve Nash, would struggle to to remain in the top five. But since I didn't move Westbrook and, and Curry over. You know, I feel comfortable with Steve Nash falling into the number four spot of pure, pure point guard. So we're going to pick it right up on our center's list. So the reason why I wanted you to uh, to do your three and two first, because I have mine flipped. Okay. I have Wolt three and I have Bo Russell two. And I look at it, you know, I'm going to take it away from the uh, the basketball sense for a minute. And this really reminds me of uh, of a, a comparison between Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez before we knew A-Rod was taking steroids. Um, A-Rod had all the numbers. He, had, he you know, the, the batting average was extremely high. The home run was through the roof. He was a great fielder. He was, you know, all the stuff that you want from A-Rod as the individual was great. There's just one problem. He choked all the time, and he wasn't the smartest player out there. Derek Jeter did not have all the numbers. A-Rod was better than him in every way, except for the intangibles off the field and his IQ on the field. And that's the difference between Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt is clearly, you know, and, you know, and I think you agree with me, he was clearly a better basketball player than Bill Russell. Bill Russell was just a phenomenal athlete that was able to just play basketball. 
Wilt had a very soft touch. He had moves, you know, down the post. And Wilt could defend extremely well. But I don't think Wilt could have coached his team like Bill did. It takes something special to do that. And obviously, that's a rule change that happened, on, you know, on the on the Bill Russell side. No one will ever do, be able to do that ever again. Even though there's one player in particular that, you know, that still tries to do it to this day. <laughs> not to mention his name. But, um, but that's the, you know, that's the biggest difference. And when you look at the small things, for example, uh, all NBA teams, Bill Russell made 11, Wilt made 10. MVPs, Bill has five, Wilt has four. Um, if you look at the, uh, you know, the NBA finals record, Wilt is four and eight against Bill Russell and the appearances that they've had. So it's very, um, it's very, very close. And I can see it both ways, but, at the end of the day, I will normally go with the guy that's won more than the. There's usually something off, off the court that changes the the game of basketball. And let's not forget, Bill Russell was a key component on the Boston Celtic teams that really started the fast break. And Bill Russell was able to do that because he was, a, you know, obviously the the one of the best rebounders ever, and he's and he's actually was one of the first big men. Him and Wilt to be able to run up and down the floor. But I think it just showed that Will didn't really care about winning. Will cared more about his numbers, and that's and it showed. That's why his numbers are absolutely ridiculous. And uh, and Bill cared more about the team. That's why Bill has so many championships. So, uh, yeah, I always will go uh, Bill Russell 2 and Will 3. But, you know, I can see why you have – on Wilt too, because of the you know just the dominance of the game and all the rule changes that happen because of Wilt Chamberlain is you know is extraordinary. So, and you know Wilt's part of the you know really, I guess the the first big big three in LA. You know I think the Celtic team was just a just a how many, how many Hall of Famers did the Celtic team have? Eight Hall of Famers. Oh, they have they had a That's ton Celtic of them. They had a ton of them. You got Bob Cousy, you got Tommy Heisen, you got you got Ramsey, you got. You got Casey Jones. Um, you got Havlicek. Um, <laughs> yeah, we don't have to go through it. Yeah, Obviously, so, Sam Jones and all those guys. Literally, there's you know, Sam Jones. I mean, it was just uh, they had tons of them. And 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 Wilt really didn't. You know, granted, when he was at the Lakers with the Lakers, he, he was with the Lakers for uh, let's see, one, two, about five years or so. Uh, he was a, he played totally differently and, and as a Laker. He averaged one year. His first year there, he averaged twenty-seven points a game, but that was only after twelve. 12 games when he played 82 games because Wilt usually played just about every minute. Uh, and we have only 20.7 then the following year he averaged only 14.8 and the following year only 13.2. So it's a totally different type of Will Chamberlain. He realized that he had Jerry West and and, and Elgin Baylor who wanted to, won it too and did take a whole lot of shots and needed to have that a lot of shots and they had Gail Goodrich as well, Happy Hairston, uh, Jim McMillan. He had a lot of great players on that team. Uh, and his role was different. He had played a different role at that time, but for the most part, Gary, your, your comments are not for the most part. Your comments are right on. I, I, it's, there's just this slight decade of flipped him, but I just cannot deny the fact that he dominated the game and he uh, really changed the game. And he, no one's, no one will put up numbers like Will Chamberlain has. I, I can say that right now. In Will Chamberlain's prime, those seven years or eight years. No one will match that. 
so that will never happen again. And so when I think of that, that is why I would say I, I would also want to put him a little bit above uh, um, Bill Russell because what Will has, has achieved, no one will do it again. Will anyone score 100 points in a game? No. We can answer that question right now. No. It's not going to happen unless it's a setup. I mean, now, granted, the NBA can set it up because they have all-star games in which the score is one, 199 to 198. You know, so maybe, uh, you know, they can set it up if they want to. But in a, in a real basketball game, in a, in a traditional basketball game, it's not going to happen. And and so many of the things he's done just aren't not, they're just are not going to happen again. But he was just psyched out. It was, it was just so obvious and it was so sad to see because Wilt would be so happy in the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter. He'd be, I mean, you'll see him almost laughing and giddy on the, on the, on the bench. Like, he, I got I got Russell now. I got someone so now. And then the fourth quarter, and it was like, oh, my God. Travel. <laughs> Double doable. You know, because Russell would be guarding him. It was, like, it was like, don't you get it? Come on. Don't, you, you know, it's, it's, Russell's just setting you up. And so. And then when he had double teams, he just felt because he was so strong that, you know, I could handle two guys. And he would just say, no, if there's two guys on you, there's one guy open. There's one guy who has no one on him. And it took him forever to figure that out. And that was that was sad, Gary. Can you look at the game and go, he's open, he's open, hit him, hit him. And Russell and, and Chamber would just do, you know, do something stupid. They just go to that. And, and and then he couldn't make his free throw. So if, if, if he went to the basket during the fourth quarter, he just hacked him, you know. So and then he went to the free throw. That was a that was an adventure. And so his weak parts of his game and his ability to is his inability to really understand to be smarter than <laughs> his competitors or even on par with some of his competitors does bring him down. And there's no question about that. But when I when I look at the the fact that Bill Russell didn't even try to score points, he just played one on one half of the court. Sometimes I mean, literally, just played one half of the court. I mean, there was sometimes I I don't think he even came down. He just barely came. Now, granted, they had fast breaks because they did. They were a fast break team, fast break like team because of Bill Russell and Bob Cousy and the players they had, and of course their coach Red Allback. But he just didn't play on that, that side of the court. That all you know. He, He'll get points because just because he was he was there more or less he was in the vicinity and you know just dunk it or whatever. Uh, so I, I just have a problem with someone who, who, who they're ranking someone so highly when the guy can't couldn't shoot. I mean it's like, this is a game of basketball and he, and he couldn't put the ball in the ocean. But could he win games? Could he play? Can he jump out of the gym? Could he stop everyone? Could he dunk the ball over everybody? Can he get every? Yes, he could do all those things. But basketball is a game of to me, I got. I always going to recognize a person who can play a more complete game, and part of that being a complete game is being able to score. And and to me, um, that's where Bill Russell fell flat. There were games in which he got nine points, eleven points. I mean, they won, but yeah, it's like. And then they'll say, oh, "What do you got? Nineteen rebounds? Oh, okay." <laughs> but a Will Chamberlain game is like you got thirty-eight points, twenty-six rebounds, and five assists. Wow. But you're right. He was a person who would pad his stats. If he, 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 you know, but he had to give the ball to him because <laughs> he just had to. And he only had usually a six nine guy or six ten guy guarding him. And Wilt was probably seven two, maybe even taller. But I'll go seven two. But he weighed about three hundred pounds, and so <laughs> there's no one, no one, no one who was even close to, to his stature as far as strength. 
the man <laughs> at first he was the, they wrote the stories rather rather thin but as his career as he got into the 60s he got into the even the early 70s he was so strong you couldn't stop this guy and and you know he used that he used that to his advantage so that's why Gary I have I have wealth above above um Bill Russell I have been two spot number one, one number two and three spots respectively I can see your arguments however but those are the reasons why and uh we can switch right into number one now since I think we both let me okay go ahead no real quick let me add one more thing because you mentioned all these things about well that accomplishments that won't be broken let's be very clear no one's ever going to win 11 cha NBA championships in 13 years ever again that's never going to happen in the I agree in the NBA. I agree I don't think that'll happen again either nope I agree Gary I agree. And that's, but Gary, I think there's a number of reasons for that, though. The one reason is <laughs> people aren't going to stay at the same team long enough to do it. But, oh, no, that, let's put, let's put oh, no, that, that's not true. Let's put that the that's one not side. True. These guys like to bounce around so much. And whether they're bouncing around, they're bouncing around either for a title or they're bouncing around for money. And because they, they have, God bless them. No one said that, you know, there was a time, Gary, where players could not leave their team. That's, it took Kurt Floyd in baseball to be able to, to break that. It was very, 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 very difficult for a player to leave a team. Now they have that freedom to access, really. And and not to access. I'm happy that they have it, but I, I wish they would be a little more sensitive to to um, the, the the town in which they're playing playing in. I think Giannis was a good example of that. The people in Milwaukee really love him. And I think that um, I think he's going to stay there for many years to come. And I think that's a great thing. And that's a team that could win – you know, more than one championship over the next five years. We, we don't. We don't know. I mean, they have to be con considered as one of the, you know, the team to beat. They are the champions. So let's see what let's see what happens. But I don't think that anyone will win Love and Out Thirteen. I agree with you. That will not happen. Again. If, but that won't happen guys, in any, any sport. Right. But if guys keep winning, they're going to stay. That's that's the way it works. These guys only move around if they can't win. So no, they can win, some, they're going to stay in one location. But some want the money, and some need the money. You know, they don't need you know, $300 million or $200 million. But you know, some say, hey, you know, I want to have my team. I don't want to be, you know, this is your team. And this. you know, So there's a lot of reasons why some of these guys leave. So, But I think it's just very – I agree with you, Gary. Winning 11 out of 13, I don't think we'll see that in any sport anymore. It's just not going to happen. The Yankees were, were able to do something comparable back in the day. Not not eleven out of thirteen, but won a number of championships back in this back in the sixties and early sixties, I should say. And um, you know, I think they won it in sixty. They won it in well, they were in the World Series in sixty. They were in the World Series in sixty one. They were in the World Series in sixty two. They were in the World Series in sixty three. They were in the World Series in sixty four. Now they didn't win the World Series in those years. Uh, they lost to Pittsburgh in sixty. They won against Cincinnati in sixty-one. They beat the Giants in sixty-two, and they got creamed by the Dodgers in sixty-three because Koufax and Drysdale. And they lost to the Cardinals in sixty-four. And then after that, they disappeared until George bought the team, uh, George Steinbrenner. But no, I think it's just very hard to do that. So I agree with you there. Okay? No argument that Bill Russell, what Bill Russell did with eleven out of thirteen. You're not going to see that again. But once again, I want to say this rather emphatically. He had great players around him. I mean, he, Bill, Will Chamberlain really, he didn't realize that he the talent that he had around him. I'm not going to say the players he had that he was playing against, playing with weren't good. Uh, I don't, he just didn't, I don't know, he just didn't 
couldn't make players better, didn't didn't know how to utilize them. Because Hal Gray was a very good point guard or shooting guard. Billy Cunningham was a very, very good uh, forward that he had. So he had some players there that could really play. Chet Walker was good. Um, but, but Bill Russell led teams, uh, the Celtics. Yeah, I don't think there was a year that he averaged that Bill Russell was the leading scorer in the team. So that's another reason. Not that that's important, but, you know, it is a factor because everyone else that, we were, that we're going to mention or have mentioned have always been the, the, the top scorers on their, on their respective teams. What are you looking at? Any of the players that we've talked about in, the, in, the, in our top five, they've, they've been the dominant scorer or offensive player as well as great player all around. Well, that's not the case with, 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 with Bill Russell. But that's not taking anything away from him because, once again, his stats are um, – his achievements are, are outstanding. He was a winner. I mean, the guy could win. He knew how to win. And he knew how to intimidate people, too. That's for sure. <laughs> Should we go to number one now, Gary, since uh, you want to take number one first? Yeah. So our uh... – I'm saying our number one because I think we have the same number one. I don't know who else you would have at this, uh, you know, at the number one spot. Well, I got, I got, I got Kwame Brown from the uh, Washington. No, <laughs> look, look, I told you, Kwame. I'm, Brown, I'm sorry. I, I know you're not. Kwame you're has not a YouTube page. I know we're not. He's been to make extorting fun of people. Kwame, I know, know, I know, I know, but I like. Another center called McGee, who, like his mom, picked up a gold medal in basketball in the Olympics. Never got enough love, Mr. McGee. But you're great. You're you're doing very well. I'm I'm I've always been a fan of yours. But Kwame Brown, let's not talk about him because I know that you know he he probably want to uh, take exception to that. But don't forget to subscribe.